Illumio is a leader in security segmentation. Prevent the spread of breaches and meet regulatory compliance requirements inside your data center and in the cloud. Find out more at Illumio.com. Grow your IT career with online IT training from Full Stack Journey sponsor, IT Pro TV. Just for you listening, there is a special offer, a seven-day free trial and discount of 30% off all plans. Visit itpro.tv full for seven days free and 30% off. Use promo code full at checkout. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast. I'm your host, Scott Lowe, and I am so happy to have you here with us again today. Um, I've got a special show today that I'm uh, very excited to be doing. Um, I'll get to introducing our guest in just a moment, but if you're new to the show and have not listened before, the purpose of the Full Stack Journey podcast is to talk about the ongoing journey of learning that every IT professional has to embark upon. And my goal here with the show is to provide listeners with a real, practical, actionable advice on learning or acquiring new skills and learning about new technologies and staying sort of up to speed with all of the changes that are constantly happening in the IT world. Uh, joining me today, I have um, two guests. So this is, uh, despite the fact that we've done you know, 40, 40 odd shows now, uh, this is the first time we've had two guests on the show at the same time. And uh, so uh, joining me today, I have uh, Tim Gerla and uh, Andrew Reinhardt. Uh, Tim, why don't you start things off by introducing yourself and then we'll cut over to Andrew. Sure. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having us. Um, so my name is Tim. Uh, I've been working in infrastructure software for a, for a long time now, um, basically my entire career. I started uh, back in 2003 working at a company called RPath. And if anybody remembers RPath, I'll be, I'll be really happy. We were building uh, a new package management system for Linux called Canary. And we were trying to solve a lot of um, sort of common problems in, in, in the industry, uh, repeatability, consistency, handling upgrades of packages properly, and so on. And, and so throughout my entire career, I've kind of aimed at those infrastructure problems, those consistency problems. Um, after our path, I went to a company called Eucalyptus, where we were building an on-premise implementation of Amazon's cloud platform. Uh, kind of got taken over by OpenStack. OpenStack really kind of uh, took the lead there. Um, after Eucalyptus, though, I co-founded Ansible, and I think uh, I'm really proud of the work that we did at Ansible to make configuration management and automation more approachable to a wider range of people and companies. Um, after Ansible, uh, I bounced around a little bit working on a, a few things. I was at, at Red Hat for a little while, uh, and I was introduced to Andrew, um, early last year, and he had a really interesting project that really kind of reminded me of some of the early days at RPath, some of the same problems that we were solving uh, to to really, you know, tighten up the way that computer software is deployed and make it easier and safer and more secure to, to update and manage. So uh, I'm happy to be here and tell you all a little bit about Talos. Um, Thanks for the opportunity, Scott. Yeah, no problem. And it, it might just be my memory playing tricks on me, but I think I actually do remember our path. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I had a lot of fun there. I learned a lot. We uh, we didn't win the packaging war. RPM still won, but um, we uh, we certainly we certainly uh, we invented some interesting things like um, like software appliances and uh, and I, th I like to think that we've changed the industry in, in a in a tiny way somehow. Absolutely, absolutely. Andrew, how about you? 
Uh, yeah, my name is Andrew. Um, let's see. I got into software, specifically Linux. Uh, one day I bought an Android phone and I found out that you could root it. And I got into rooting it and overclocking my CPU. And in that process, I learned a lot about Linux. And I've always just been fascinated since I've since I've really delved into digging into Android phones and how they work. And that's since moved on to uh, things like containers, running containers. I've always been interested in, you know, how do I how do I manage my applications on these Linux machines? And I've been working with containers since they were beta, which isn't which isn't too long ago. I've been just fascinated with containers and the way they allow you to ship these things in a nice, convenient uh, form, and they just work wherever you put them. Alongside that, I also started picking up GoLang when it was still beta, and those two containers and Go have sort of evolved together, and they complement each other very well. Uh, there's a ton of projects out there that are geared around containers that are written in Go. And put all those together, my love for Linux, Golang, and containers, I ended up uh, creating this project called Telus, uh, which we'll get into today. And I'm I'm also happy to be here and talk some more about it. Awesome. Thanks. Um, so let's let's just jump right in. Why don't we just start out just helping listeners sort of, you know, provide a mental framework about you know, what are we talking about when we talk about Talos here? Like, what is it and what isn't it? And and what are the goals? And more importantly, what are the non-goals? What are the things you're not trying to solve by creating Talos? So I got into Kubernetes roughly three years ago. Um, again, my love for containers and Linux, and I thought Kubernetes was just, you know, put a real exclamation point on all of those for me. And it wrapped it all together again in a nice form that I just, I really believed in. And so I was working at a company, um, a monitoring company, and I basically put a proposal out there that we should move our infrastructure into Kubernetes. And I was, we ended up, long story short, doing it. We moved a lot of our traffic into it. And I had a lot of real heavy hands-on production experience with Kubernetes in that process. And I noticed that, you know, there was just, you know, at the time, KubeADM, for those who aren't familiar, it's a bootstrapping tool for Kubernetes. Was it, it was still very early stages, alpha, and creating Kubernetes clusters was still very much a uh, an art form. Um, and I noticed that I was creating them differently based on different environments that I was working in. So what I did is I actually ended up thinking to myself, hey, you know what? if I could create an operating system that sort of has all this knowledge baked into it already, there's really not a whole lot that I need to get Kubernetes running on a machine. That would be really neat. I could make it work regardless of wherever I am. And so it all just started out with just how do I run the kubelet with the absolute bare minimum needed? And that went as far as like, you know, I literally started with no code, an empty directory and I only added libraries, C libraries and compiled them all by hand from scratch uh, and only gave the kubelet its bare essentials that it needed. Um, and so from there, I started seeing real benefits to this. A, you have a very minimal system. It's less that you have to worry about. It's less reasoning that you'd have to go and you'd have to apply security patches and things like that. Um, it's easier to manage because it's just a single image and it has one purpose. So due to the fact that it's a generic idea, uh, it, it's not necessarily a general purpose. I could really finally scope this project. Um, and so Talos sort of evolved from this curiosity and what it, 
would take to just run the kubelet. And it started having some real implications around it, like security and ease of management. And today what it is, it's, it is an operating system, but we are building more on top of it. Um, but it's really, it's really the engine or the heart of something that we're trying to give operations engineers to give them a better platform on which they can deploy Kubernetes that is highly automated. Part of that high automation, this being highly automated is I actually went ahead and stripped out SSH and a console. Again, if you don't need it to run the kubelet, it does not exist on the root file system, but I still needed a way to do everyday things that an operations engineer would need, like find out disk usage and you know debug things. So that's where the API was born. So Talos, it is an operating system, but it has much bigger goals. It's the engine for a bigger platform that we're trying to build right now. Let me add a couple of things if I can. If you look at the role of operating systems uh, as they have been in the in the past, you know, 20, 30, 40 years in, in a Unix environment, they, they do a lot of things. They have a lot of moving parts and pieces, and it's kind of, you know, where your applications used to run, right, uh, at the operating system level. But now with Kubernetes and with containers and application platforms, we have... Uh, additional layers of abstraction in between you and the application or the hardware in the application or the infrastructure and the app. So uh, what we're trying to do with Talos is build an operating system that's designed specifically to run in a distributed environment on your infrastructure, whether it's bare metal, uh, cloud or virtualization. So we're building a minimal operating system designed specifically to host Kubernetes clusters. So all of that stuff that, that would ordinarily in your OS, in your in your Ubuntu or your Alpine Linux or your your CentOS, all that stuff uh, that would ordinarily be in support of your application is now kind of going to be at the container level, and that means the host operating system can be quite a bit smaller and quite a bit simpler than it has been in the past. So with Talos, there's uh, uh, like Andrew was saying, there's a there's an API management interface, uh, but there's no console access, there's no shell that you log into. Um, it's been designed uh, from the beginning to fit well into highly regulated and, and, and secure environments. So every Talos system that comes up is is immutable. Uh, once it's launched, it can't really be changed. If you need to change uh, an aspect of the system, uh, you generally have to shut that node down and bring up a new one. Um, so think again, uh, uh, cattle versus pets, right? We're kind of trying to push even further into that into that cattle direction for the components that uh, that that run your Kubernetes cluster. Um, so that's the operating system part. It's it's open source. It's based on Linux. It has some things. If you're if you're an operating systems person, you'll see some things that are familiar in it. But there will also be some things that are not there. For for instance, the console access or the package manager. Uh, a lot of that stuff is now handled at these higher levels of abstraction at the Kubernetes layer, at your application layer. And so what what we really wanted to do is slim down the uh, the the host environment and and remove that aspect of complexity when you're managing an entire system you would ordinarily have to manage an operating system to host Kubernetes, and that's its whole that's a whole management task there, as well as managing Kubernetes and your apps. And so we're just trying to we're trying to tackle a, a portion of that complexity and just shrink that host operating system down. And then beyond the operating system, we have uh, we begun building some some management componentry on top of that to take advantage of of our sort of unique architecture and and some of the the new functionality that we think is is enabled by that. Okay, so that's awesome, and it's pretty much lines up with what I was thinking. Uh, you know that 
what we're talking about here is a, is a purpose-built OS designed specifically for Kubernetes. Um, all the stuff that you don't need stripped away and everything that remains optimized for that, you know, that sole singular purpose. Um, yep. em embracing all of the, you know, the sort of modern operational constructs like, you know, immutable infrastructure, infrastructure as code, um, API-based management, et cetera, et cetera. And then it sounds like from a, from a sort of like a business perspective in terms of what you guys are doing with the company is on top of the open source OS project, you know, Talos, uh, you're building some additional pieces that will be, you know, kind of the stuff that, you know, you're going to monetize, I, I would assume. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, you know, looking at our business model, you'll you'll see some similarities to to the the model that that Red Hat has really paved the way for and a lot of other open source companies. Um, we're going to, you know, we're, we've started with uh, support contracts for people who are just running Talos on their on their systems um, and they need someone to call uh, fairly simple business model uh, it's a little bit difficult to scale uh, as we've learned from from some you know from some past experience and, and having 20 years of, of open source companies to look at uh, so yeah we're definitely looking at, at building some some proprietary componentry on top uh, things that the that the hobbyist or the casual user certainly wouldn't need but hopefully, will be useful and valuable to our enterprise uh, customers. Um, we're really hoping to to build out the open source community and get a lot of people using Talos for for different things and and kind of you know letting letting our, our user base uh, guide us in terms of what are the most valuable things that we can build on top. If you look at what we're building on top of Talos, a lot of it is enabled because of the fact that this is an API driven operating system. There's a lot of really neat things that you can do if your operating system, the metrics and different things like that, uh, the management plane, so to speak, is is exposed via an API. And one of a one of those examples is our upgrade controller. We can we can get very robust checks on is the system healthy. We we have an API for checking the various services. We can get logs. We can check the version. Uh, we could get really deep, and these could be streaming APIs, and it's not built on on top of technologies like SSH. It's it's a first class citizen. So the things that we're creating, uh, they integrate so well with the operating system at a level that we just haven't seen before Talos. And uh, I just think it's really cool to see. Aiding your journey to becoming a full stack engineer is full stack journey sponsor, IT Pro TV. Going full stack is partly about career growth, right? And online IT training from IT Pro TV, that can help you grow. And they can help you, the savvy Full Stack Journey listener, grow at a 30% discount off of all IT Pro TV plans. More on that in a minute. A recent MIT study found that IT occupations have grown by 19.5% between 2004 and 2019. Compared to other jobs, that's more than eight times the growth over the past decade. That's right. Earnings have grown significantly for individuals working in IT. So if you're in IT, you've picked the right gig. But don't set your career on cruise control thinking, eh, it's all good. Change is the norm as evidenced by the full stack movement, right? And to keep earning that big paycheck, you need to keep your skills up. IT Pro TV has you covered from CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft and many more vendors, more than 4,000 hours of on-demand training. Engaging hosts present information in a talk show format and they're live every day. And shows go from that live studio to the web in 24 hours so that you can stream them. Courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role, 
And you can stream those courses live and on demand worldwide via Chromecast, Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android apps. Learn IT, pass your certs, and land that fancy new full-stack job you've had your eye on with IT Pro TV. Visit itpro.tv slash full for a seven-day free trial and 30% off all plans. Use promo code full at checkout. That's itpro.tv slash full and use promo code full at checkout. One more time, itpro.tv slash full and use promo code full at checkout to try it free for seven days and save 30% off all plans. And now back to today's discussion. Awesome. Okay. So uh, I want to I talk next about sort of why you guys went down this road. And, and initially I was thinking of, you know, okay, what were the sort of inspiring mechanisms that drove you here? But I think we've kind of already covered that and that's okay. But so let me take it from a slightly different tack. And that is, you know, let's, let's think back to that classic um, XKCD comic where, you know, the person says, oh, you know, there's 14 different standards. We need to create one standard to rules them all. And then, you know, narrator, now there are 15 different standards, right? <laughs> what were the sort of maybe technical decisions that led you to start from scratch with Talos instead of saying, Hey, let's pick up where, you know, core OS left off like Flatcar is doing, or, you know, let's pick up on or build on, you know, atomic or, you know, some of the other uh, solutions that have uh, tried to build these minimized operating systems that are um, more optimized for container-based workloads. You know, what, what were the, the technical reasons that drove you to say, Hey, we need something that we built from the ground up. Um, to do this instead of, you know, building on existing art, if you will? That's a good question. And it just really boils down to one of the things about Talos is that it's not a, ge a general use operating system. We are very much targeted to Kubernetes. So a lot of that functionality that you needed to run arbitrary containers, we've stripped, we've gone a step further and we've stripped that out. And we feel that that just improves the security posture. It improves what we can do on an automation level. What I mean by that is that um, this is an implementation detail to Talos, but when you deploy Talos, it basically wants to own a single block device. And Talos will run completely out of memory, but it will give that block device to Kubernetes. Um, and the reason we, and we don't really allow you to use it otherwise. And the reason for that is because we want to implement a high level of automation APIs that allow you to do some really neat things. And nine times out of 10, if there is a human involved anywhere within that path, there is all kinds of forks and branches in your code to take into consideration human error. And what if this, what if they want that? So Talus is going to completely own the system and because of that because it's read only and we don't uh, you know we basically require the single block device we can build in that automation and no one else was really doing that at the time if you actually look at uh, a project called bottle rocket from aws they're they're now doing something similar to to talos so i think it's something that the industry sees as a valid you know, a valid approach um, that is going beyond even the solutions that are that have existed prior to it. I think what we want to do is we want to bring in sort of, you know, the the best of class open source technology and and wrap it in a in a in a reasonably architected operating system. Um, we are definitely inspired by CoreOS and by uh, the the other the other kind of platforms that that have been moving incrementally into the into the realm of kind of a single purpose operating system, but we didn't feel like they really went far enough. Uh, and we thought that now might be a good time 
given the rise of Kubernetes, given the rise of containers, given these new abstractions that are popping up in between you, you know, the hardware and the and the application, we thought it would be a good time to do something a little bit more radical and and see what happened. Uh, it, it is a bit of a challenge to sell someone on a new operating system architecture. But I think that when people uh, begin to kind of interact with the system and 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 grasp how kind of how invisible it almost is, you can focus almost entirely on your uh, on your Kubernetes infrastructure and your applications instead of the operating system. And what we'd like to do is make that operating system basically just disappear and, and make it completely behind the scenes. And we couldn't really do that building on uh, on a previous base that kind of had a lot of that legacy baggage still. So, you know, on the one hand, it's a risk to have this much of a radical departure from kind of the, the industry norms and what people are familiar with. But but we also felt that there was an opportunity, given the timing, given the timing of, of Red Hat's acquisition of CoreOS and and so on, to come out with something that's that's fairly uh, fairly dramatically different. Okay, all right, that makes sense. I mean, I, I could see, you know, if, if we look at all of these various open source projects that I mentioned, they were all adaptations of you know an existing general purpose operating system, and it was more like slightly shaping the operating system, slightly optimizing the operating system. Mm -hmm. But there are some fundamental assumptions or beliefs or technical decisions that still shape that. And so I think if I'm, if mm -hmm. I'm understanding correctly, kind of what you guys did is say, Hey, let's, let's ditch all these uh, uh, existing assumptions. And rather than trying to reshape an existing general purpose operating system, let's mm -hmm. instead build a purpose built operating system that serves one function and one function only. And that is to support Kubernetes. Yeah, yeah, That's... yeah. Being able to being able to get rid of things like the file-based package manager, right? That exists in almost every uh, every operating system out there today, and and it causes a lot of pain, right? <laughs> so if we thought we could get rid of that component uh, and components like it. Um, because we don't need them anymore because of these abstractions that, that Kubernetes provides and, and some other sort of, you know, paradigms of systems management that are popping up, we, we thought it would be a win. I like to tell people that we're reimagining Linux distributions in the context of a distributed system. So yeah, Scott, to your point, we're, we're sort of taking it from a, a fresh look. We're not trying to shape existing assumptions and models into something, you know, like, this is probably not the best analogy, but fitting a, a, a square peg into a round hole. We're, we're really trying to craft this from the ground up for this use case. We're reimagining it. Um, and it's it's really showing different ways that we can think about how a Linux distribution should work and operate. Cool. Um, so real quick question, and then I want to transition into talking about how somebody could could sort of get started. I mean, since we are reimagining things, you know, from the ground up with Talos, you know, there's going to be a lot of paradigms that people need to to break <laughs> in terms of how they operate with that. But before we get there, I was just kind of curious, were there any other open source projects that sort of inspired you guys as you were starting with Talos? I mean, did you, did you look at something and say, you know, hey, that's a really great idea the way they did that. What if we adopted it here or something like that? I would have to say that CoreOS was always been, I've, I've always been a fan of CoreOS. And I think, of course, the technology plays a part in it, but just their... You know, their boldness, I mean, in their own right, they rethought what Linux should be. We just kind of took that and took it to another degree. So uh, I don't know if that quite answers your question, but, you know, that's what I that's what I would say. Um, so let's let's shift gears just a little bit now and try and, and provide some some context for the listeners. You know, we've been talking about how you guys are, you know, re-envisioning what a Linux distribution looks like, building a purpose built 
OS for Kubernetes, right? Um, ditching, you know, SSH and ditching the console and all that kind of stuff. And all these things are things that, you know, folks who are Linux sysadmins or are familiar with managing Linux instances are be like, whoa, hold on. Like, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're, you're changing sacred things here. Um, uh, where, where's a good place for somebody to start to wrap their head around how things are done with Talos as opposed to how you would do it with a more traditional Linux distribution? So the first place to start, I think, would be to check out our Getting Started documentation. If you start with our Getting Started guide, you can actually launch a Talos cluster on your laptop in about five minutes using using Docker underneath the hood. So what you get from that, you you download our, our Talos CTL binary from GitHub. Uh, all of Talos is written in Go, so we, we do provide those statically linked binaries to to GitHub as, as releases. So it's pretty easy to download those to your to your Linux or Mac machine to get started. Uh, run Talos CTL cluster create. And what will happen under the hood is we'll actually go ahead and, and launch a, a little Kubernetes cluster, uh, a little based on Talos, and and then you'll you'll be able to run uh, all of these operations, all of these API operations that are wrapped in this in this command line tool uh, against your your little cluster that's on your laptop. So this will give you access to not only just Kubernetes and and Kubernetes API uh, as you would ordinarily communicate with a Kubernetes cluster. You also get the the command line interface to the operating system itself, uh, or rather the command line interface that goes through the API. So you can do all the uh, most of the ordinary troubleshooting tasks. You can look at log files. You can look at file lists. Uh, you can view the the, the kernel messages, etc. Um, and it's a good way to kind of get familiar with what Talos feels like. We've really worked hard to make sure that Talos fits well into an automated environment. So we don't have, the, you know, right now there aren't a lot of flashy GUI components or anything like that. It's it's really kind of, you know, system level software. So, you know, I. I would go in with a basic understanding of what Kubernetes is. Uh, if you know some stuff about Linux operating systems and, and how they're put together, that might be useful as, as you go to figure this out. But but we really have tried to make it a fairly straightforward and a fairly bulletproof process to get uh, a small cluster uh, up and running, and then from there, uh, you know, deploying this into production would look a little bit different uh, depending on where you're where you're deploying. Uh, you've got we've got support for all the major cloud platforms, and we've got some documentation around around that how to how to get the Talos images registered and how to assemble a cluster. Um, I think the the biggest sort of prerequisite would certainly be a, a little bit of Kubernetes experience. Um, I I don't have a lot of Kubernetes direct hands on Kubernetes experience. Somehow I've avoided it over the last five or six years, but uh, I can still you know I can still grasp most of of what's going on underneath the hood at at the Talos level. If I could add something to that, um, to your point, Scott, about you know us taking away these sacred Unix utilities from, uh, you know, hardcore sysadmins and whatnot. Uh, that's certainly been a fear of mine from the beginning since I've, you know, even had this idea of an API in front of an operating system. But I was actually pleasantly surprised that, uh, you know, we went to KubeCon back in, uh, what was it, November. And the number of people came to our booth, we, we had very good traffic. And I was actually really surprised at how many people were actually willing to put that stuff down. I would always ask them this, you know, what what is it that you're really trying to get using those utilities, using you know, the traditional tooling? And, you know, nine times out of 10, it's you need to get the information from the machine to figure out what's going wrong. And 
you know, when I tell them, well, you just use the API instead, it actually went over pretty well with, I'd say, the majority of our uh, traffic. I can't think of a person that was really adamant about, hey, this is blasphemy. I just thought it was really interesting to see how quick people were willing to put down 30 years of of old utilities and you have an API for everything. So that was already helping them be willing to listen to a new approach. One thing that I've learned working with a lot of customers in a lot of sort of, you know, infrastructure environments and data centers and places like that is that when when a customer or a user asks for a particular tool or a particular approach to solve a problem, they're not strictly speaking, asking for that tool. They're asking to solve the problem, right? So if we can give them an alternative that that, that makes sense, that fits the architecture, that, that fits the mental model, uh, I think that's a win. So I think it's going to be, for, for us, it's going to be an educational challenge to, to help people understand, you know, why, why a purpose-built operating system why an API managed operating system might be better and and how you can translate your previous troubleshooting skills and your previous uh, systems management skills into this into this new world. Um, so it'll be an educational challenge for us for sure. Uh, I think the response we've gotten so far has been great. And we also have some some other technical tools that we can provide. So uh, Andrew might have to fill in the, the technical details here, but I think that the, the latest version of Kubernetes now has a feature that lets you run kind of a kind of a debug container, right? So if you need if you need SSH access or a console or bash or whatever in your Talos environment, you can spin up a container to run that and and you'll have, you know, basically the same access that you would as as if your operating system itself were providing that service. Uh, so again, just kind of the ability to push some of these components and some of these some of these pieces of functionality higher in the stack is something that we're aiming at. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think I I, I want to I wanted to comment real quick on on your your mention, Andrew, about people being willing to drop these things. And and I, I agree with you. I think I think it's a matter of timing. Honestly, the industry has evolved to a point now where the idea of using API driven management, even for your operating system instance, and the concepts of you know immutable infrastructure. So if you need to change a Talos instance, you have to shut it down and spin up a new one, right? All of these things are sort of enabled by changes in our industry, technological changes in the underlying platforms, um, changes in the way we use those platforms, changes in the way we deploy applications via Kubernetes. You know, the idea of saying, oh, I'm going to have multiple instances of a pod providing a service. And so if I do have to take down a node, you know, I'm not necessarily seeing an outage of my application or my service because I've taken other steps to do that, right? And these are all things that had you tried to do this, I don't know, five years ago, even, maybe even four years ago, right? At the, at the early start of the containers movement, right? That they, they would not have been ready to do this. They would have been like, oh no, we, yeah. we can't do that. Absolutely. I, I think Kubernetes has caused such a, a rift in the industry that, you know, people are uplifting entire operations and, you know, from from virtualization uh, in the classic sense that it's VMs to containers, um, and we're kind of in this place where the soil is it's it's tilled, and we're we're ready for new ideas. And so, if we could slip in this new idea of yes, let's also rethink how operating systems should work with this revolutionary new technology called Kubernetes. I think people are more accepting because of the fact that Kubernetes has already sort of done that groundwork for us, if that makes any sense. We're pausing the conversation for a brief word about today's sponsor, Illumio. Organizations use Illumio to stop lateral movement everywhere. With Illumio, you get a single platform for visibility and control across any data center and the cloud. 
Illumio stops lateral movement using its Adaptive Security Platform, or ASP. With ASP, you can see how your applications communicate, get insights into vulnerability exposures, and then take control. Illumio helps you create security segmentation policies that work on bare metal, virtual machines, and containers. Seamlessly protect workloads wherever they go, however your business grows. Achieve regulatory compliance, securely migrate applications to the cloud, and overcome data center and cloud security challenges. Find out more at Illumio.com. That's Illumio.com. And now, back to the podcast. So going back to sort of the getting started process, you know, on, on, the, on the getting started resources from, from I, I guess, in the GitHub repo, we can download the binary, we can get, start up a, a simple um, cluster sort of locally using Docker. I was curious, so how, how does Talos play with sort of, you know, infrastructure as code tools? If I'm, you know, it's fine for me to get started, uh, you know, using Docker on my local laptop because, hey, you know, I'm a geek, right? Whatever, that's fine. But then as I begin to make that transition from there into more production systems where I'm using Terraform or Pulumi or something else to manage that, is there, is there a pretty big jump there in terms of how hard that's going to be? Or is that a, a fairly straightforward sort of like, oh, okay, if you, once you got the basic concepts down locally, you know, transition yeah. this over to point at an AMI or to, to call a particular piece or something like that is, is reasonably straightforward. Yeah, I would argue that it's straightforward. And the reason being is because one of our core principles within Talos and design goals is to make the experience consistent regardless of where you run it. Taking Kubernetes um, as an example, you really just need a YAML file and you need the Kubernetes API. And Kubernetes will just make it work. Talos works in a similar way in the sense that it's config driven. And so you just supply this, you know, user data isn't any, it's not a new concept to people you will basically declaratively say, this is what I want my this particular machine to do and look like. And you supply that file and Talos, you know, it goes and implements that for you. So in theory, you could, I mean, we, we kind of do this today in our CI and um, in our CI pipeline, we actually create, uh, we have Talos running Kubernetes. And then within there, we're actually spinning up Talos clusters um, using Docker. And we also have support for Firecracker but the config is the same regardless. So you could just take that config and you could actually minus a little caveats with Docker because the networking is not quite the same. You won't have extra interfaces for bonding and stuff like that. But um, the gist of it is there. You could supply a config to your local Docker configuration, run your local development setup, uh, graduate that to your CI/CD pipeline where maybe you have the Firecracker version of Talos running and you got fully virtualized networking and you could test some of your networking configuration. And then maybe you have a, a, a testing production, a, a testing environment where you can then graduate this all the way through and it has bonding and the, the networking configuration changes slightly. But what I'm getting at is the gist of it is if you can understand how to configure Talos via this YAML file, and we've gone, we've put a lot of effort in making the configuration as minimal as possible and sort of building in best practice assumptions, you could go pretty far in going from your laptop all the way through to production with just that alone. Okay, so that's pretty cool because so oftentimes we see that you have to, well, first of all, the idea of running, you know, an OS, um, and even if it is a, you know, specialized, you know, single purpose OS in a, con in a container on top of a general purpose OS, 
it's kind of, that's kind of cool. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, like being able to, to do it locally by a Docker with a config and then being able to take that same config and graduate it into a CI pipeline where we test it and, and then graduate it out at the other end to, you know, maybe deploy onto AWS or into, you know, your, your data center running, you know, vSphere or whatever the case may be. I think that's, that's nice because it does sort of promote that idea of, you know, Hey, okay, Hey, I can take this config. I can check it into source control. I can do all of the sort of, you know, right things, if you will, um, when it comes to doing infrastructure as code, right. Um, and, and, and it all just sort of fits together. You know, we, we've been talking a little bit about sort of, you know, if somebody wants to get started with Talos, you know, how do they get started? And, and a couple of times I've heard you guys mention, you know, Hey, if you really want to get started, you need a basic understanding of Kubernetes and, you know, maybe a basic understanding of Linux. Um, are there any other sort of prerequisite technologies folks should understand or have a familiarity with before they try to get started. Um, I know for some folks who, who haven't been in this space, um, you know, a lot of my listeners and, and folks who follow my website and stuff come from the back in the days when I was a big uh, VM or vSphere guy. Right. And I know a lot of, there's a lot of folks in that space who simply don't have the time to try and keep up with this. And so they're, they're still trying to wrap their head around, you know, what does Docker mean to me? What does Kubernetes mean to me? Right. And sometimes the learning curve is so steep to go from that, classic infrastructure admin who's spinning up VMs and handing them off to line of business to now this, where you're more deeply involved in the application than you used to be, that it, it's very difficult. And so I like to try and clearly lay out for listeners who are in that situation, what are the building blocks they need to get to Talos, right? And it sounds like you need some Linux. Okay. That's kind of a given these days. You need some Kubernetes. Is there anything else? I would argue that there's not a whole lot else. And the reason being is because we, we go to great lengths and this is one of, a, again, one of our other primary goals is, um, is to just kind of build in that operational knowledge in the operating system itself. And it's just sort of, I don't want to call it a black box because, you know, it's open source. You can see how it all works, but it's a black box in the sense that you know that you, when you're going to use Talos, you're going to get Kubernetes and you're going to get an API to manage the operating system. And it's going to have all of this immutable infrastructure ideology kind of handled for you out of the box. I can't think of anything outside of those two. Um, Tim, do you have anything? Yeah, I think just uh, the the Kubernetes part, I think, is the most important. If you can, you know, if you can download Talos CTL, run a couple commands, and you have a Kubernetes cluster up and running. And it's a, it would be actually, it would be a great place to start learning Kubernetes because it it kind of takes away a lot of the the ordeal of standing up uh, those those individual services manually. Uh, there are a, there are several other tools out there that help you get Kubernetes up and running on your machine. But I think the advantage with Talos, and it's something that we haven't talked a whole lot about, but we probably should. The advantage of Talos is, is like we were saying earlier, what you get on your laptop is basically the same thing that you get in production. The whole pipeline from development to, to production, uh, if you can have some consistency there, if you're building out a new service or something like that, uh, I think having that consistency is is going to be valuable You know, for, for stability and, and for managing change control uh, across different environments and, and so on. So if you are new to Kubernetes, if you are new even to Linux, uh, Talos might be a good choice to to start with to to set yourself up for a, a good foundation for for moving something into production. What would you guys say is sort of next for the project? Um, what sort of thing haven't you quite gotten to yet that you're saying, hey, we're really looking forward to being able to do blah, you know? And that's you know part of where we're trying to take the whole open source community that is being you know, built around Talos. Um, this is where we we'd like to you know lead them. Um, into accomplishing this thing. 
Um, just to give you know listeners some sort of idea of like problem spaces you're trying to address may be not entirely solved yet. And these are the, the parts still that we're trying to address. Yeah, there, there's so much that we want to do. There's so much that we want to do and, and so little time. One of the main things is, you know, given Talos, given the, the the operating system, the API and its architecture, we think that we can build some really interesting management componentry on top. And we've begun that process. Uh, we have uh, an upgrade controller, which handles upgrading Talos in a, in a variety of different ways. And and so upgrades are kind of, you know, baked in as, as a first class citizen for us. Um, and, and we're hoping that that results in, in more, you know, more systems stability, uh, less, less, less aggravation when you go through that process. Uh, we think that there's some interesting things around security that we can do. Uh, we haven't talked too much about that on, on, on this, uh, on this podcast, but, uh, but our, our, our immutable architecture, I think lends itself well to, to regulated environments, uh, environments that might be air gapped behind a firewall, et cetera. Uh, I think there's a lot of possibilities there and we do have some product ideas around that to, to make, to make auditing and analyzing the security profile of, of at least your host operating system uh, easier and more straightforward. And then a project that we just released a couple of weeks ago is called Argus, A-R-G-E-S. It's a code name. I, I figure we'll probably change it at some point. But uh, this is our cluster management toolkit and, and kind of the first use case for this. It's built on top of Cluster API, uh, the Kubernetes project Cluster API, which kind of lets you treat your Kubernetes clusters uh, as if they were a Kubernetes environment. So what I mean by that is you can use a similar API to manage the underlying host components of your cluster uh, in a way that's kind of familiar and, and similar to the way that you would manage your applications. So, so Argus, our, our first target there was it was bare metal provisioning. Uh, right now, there aren't too many good ways to deploy Kubernetes right to bare metal, and some of them are fairly complicated and, and involve OpenStack components that you know kind of kind of heavyweight and complicated for a lot of people. Uh, Argus is designed from the ground up to be really modular and simple, and it it basically runs as as a series of containers. One of them's a Pixie server. Uh, there's a couple other components there. And the idea is that with an Argus setup, you can really easily you deploy your management cluster and then really easily uh, basically stamp out new clusters running right on the bare metal. Uh, there's there's no virtualization in between. Um, uh, and and we provide APIs and and tools to manage all that. It's an early project, but if you're interested in in taking a look, it's it's in our GitHub as well. Um, and then beyond, you know, in the in the further future, you know, I don't know how long Kubernetes is going to be the the platform of choice for people. Um, and so, you know, I think it's I think it's going to have some sticking power for sure. But but as everybody knows, technologies come and go, and and you know, the the cool new thing will be here soon enough. And and I want to make sure that that our OS is, is ready for that. So we're working on uh, an effort to sort of module, modularize Talos, split out some of the components, build a plugin interface, and really kind of extend the usefulness of Talos beyond just Kubernetes uh, and make it uh, a system that you can, make it a platform that you can build your, your own stuff on top of. So, so definitely stay tuned. I think we've got a lot, we've got a lot of ideas uh, and not enough time to implement them all. I am very familiar with you know too many ideas and not enough time, and I, I would imagine the listeners are probably in the same boat. So I uh, totally understand that. Thanks for, thanks for that uh, sort of view into what's going on. Um, so why don't we just go ahead and, and wrap up? And I'd like to give each of you just a chance to um, you know just share um, any contact information in case somebody's interested in following you on Twitter or you know a website that you'd like to point them to, something like that. Um, uh, Andrew, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, 
speaking of too many ideas and not enough time to implement them, um, we are very much in. We're, we're dedicated to open source. We all come a very come from a very strong uh, open source background, and we believe in it. We love it. Come check us out. Come help. Uh, we would love to hear ideas, use cases. How can we make Talos better? If you want to contribute, um, we have. Uh, weekly meetings on Mondays and Thursdays. All of this is in our GitHub repo. Uh, check that out. We have weekly Zoom meetings. We have a Slack that you can join. Again, all of this is in the README. Um, but I really just want to put a call out for uh, a, a call out for the people who think that they might have great use cases for Talos. How can you know, we want to improve people that might be looking for a fun project to hack on? We have a great uh, community. Our, our users are very helpful and friendly. So, you know, if you're having trouble, come hop onto our Slack. We're, we're very responsive in support. Um, yeah, and that's about it. Yeah, I'd like to echo what Andrew said about, you know, our open source community. We, we love new contributors and there's a lot of work to do. So if you're interested in uh, getting your head around Kubernetes, around, uh, about, around you know, low-level Linux system stuff, uh, writing documentation, uh, writing ansible or terraform plugins would be would be really cool to see so uh yeah definitely join the community www.talos.dev and our corporate site which is fairly similar to the open source site is uh, talos-systems.com uh, we've got a slack where we do most of our communication and uh, we'd, we'd love to see you there uh, we're always open to feedback and uh and if you have any have any trouble or have any questions or any comments for us we'd, we'd love to hear Awesome. Well, thanks both uh, Tim and Andrew for coming on and talking about Talos and what's going on there. Uh, listeners, I'll have links to all of the resources and the websites mentioned um, in the show notes. So in the event you are interested in circling back around and checking out any of these resources or trying it out or providing feedback to Tim and Andrew and the rest of the open source community around Talos, um, all those um, will be available in the show notes um, on the Packet Pushers website. Um, I want to echo again my thanks for having Tim and Andrew on. And uh, listeners, thank you so much for uh, joining uh, me today uh, for another episode of the Full Stack Journey podcast. I hope that you have found this episode to be helpful and useful and informative, and that we were able to share some practical, actionable information to help you on your ongoing journey of learning. As always, provide feedback on any of the sites where the podcast is available, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. If you have suggestions for improving the podcast, we would love to hear them. Thanks so much. Thank you.